I'm going to get right into my message this morning. Uh, at the beginning of the year, God gave me a word for our church, and that word is together. Um, this year, God wants our church to be super committed to and intentional about coming together and building relationships with one another. Uh, it's not just okay to come to church on Sunday morning, do your duty, and then walk out. God wants us to dig in deep and be really, really intentional about getting to know other people in this church. He's wanting us to focus our attention, our energy, and resources on Christian community. He wants our evangelism to be accomplished through community this year. Uh, he's calling us to table ministry. He wants us to be intentional about leaving room at our table for others this year. Instead of just surrounding our tables with people that look, act, and believe just like us, he's wanting us to leave room for people who are vastly different, different stages of life, different skin color, different belief system. He's wanting us to leave room at the table for others this year. And so uh, we've been doing a sermon series using the word together as an acronym the last three weeks. And today is our final installment of this together series. So if you have missed any of the past three messages, I want to encourage you to go on our podcast and listen to all of them because all of these messages, uh, they flow together and go together. And it's so important because uh, this message series is setting up uh, everything that we're going to do for the remainder of the year. So I encourage you to, to go on our podcast and listen to the other messages if you haven't heard all of them. So let's just recap for a moment. Uh, so far for the T in our acronym, we use the word uh, trust. For the O, we use the word ownership. For the G, we use the word genuine. Uh, for the E, we use the word effort. Uh, for the word T or the letter T, we use the word table. And for the letter H, we use the word hospitality. And before I jump into my points uh, this morning, let me say this about community. The gospel is our basis for community. It's not to create this social club, this Christian social club. It's not to uh, uh, ensure that no one in our church is lonely, even though we don't want anybody in our church to be lonely. That's not the basis. That's not the foundation for uh, why we want to live in community. The gospel is our basis and foundation for community. And I say this because Jesus, who is far greater than us, who is far richer than us, far more valuable than us, far smarter than us, stepped out of heaven in order to establish community with you and I. Therefore, we don't have a right to pick and choose who we allow at our table. Right? Paul said uh, Jesus, the one who was rich, became poor in order to give us the righteousness of Christ. Understanding this should suck out any ounce of pride or elitism out of our hearts when it comes to who we come together with. Who are we to pick and choose when Jesus stepped out of heaven to establish relationship with each and every one of us? of us. And it's only because of Jesus that you and I are invited to the table. And it's because of Jesus that we wholeheartedly 
welcome others to the table. And so for the letter E in our acronym together, we're using the, wor the word establish. Okay? The word establish means to build something. It means to install or settle in a position. It means to bring about permanently. If we as a church don't establish in our hearts that living together in community, doing life with one another in intimacy is important for us, okay? then nothing in our church culture is going to change. I can preach till I'm blue in the face, but if we don't decide as individuals in this church that we are going to establish in our hearts to live this community out, nothing, the culture is not going to change in this church. Here's what I know about you, okay? I might not know a lot about you, but here's what I know about you. The only way that you will ever grow is if you plant yourself somewhere. Let me say that again. The only way you will ever grow spiritually, relationally, uh, at your job, the only way you will ever grow is if you plant yourself somewhere. Some of you have not totally established in your heart whether you want to follow Jesus or not. You're wishy-washy. You're all in one day and out the next. Uh, you and God are good until, of course, something bad happens in your life. Then your faith and trust in Jesus flies out the window. You start blaming Him for the, the bad things that are happening in your lives. You, you, start, you start becoming resentful towards Jesus. The moment something bad the moment a disappointment comes into your life, your faith, your trust, your relationship, all of that goes out the window. Or maybe you're just fully half-hearted about Jesus and it's time to establish in your heart that you're going all in with your relationship with Jesus. I say in 2019 that you go all in. Let's stop straddling the fence. Let's stop being lukewarm. Let, let, let's stop... Let's stop uh, relating and connecting to Jesus halfway. Let's commit this year that we're going all in and we're going all the way in our relationship with Christ. Amen? Some of you have not totally established yourself in our church yet. Okay, You've been coming, but you have not yet committed. There's a big difference. You've been chilling on the fringe, looking in from the outside, and it's about time you came inside and stayed a while. There are some of you in here that need to take the next step and you need to attend starting points so you can better understand the heart and vision of the Grace Place NYC. You might not see the importance of hearing the mission and vision of the house, but it's incredibly important that you know what this church is about. You know what we stand for. You know what our DNA and our culture is. Because, if, if you, if, because we want you to stay and be uh, long-term with us. We want you to be a part of our community. And so this kind of stuff is important. You will never receive the benefits of living in community if you don't plant yourself. Okay? If you don't lay down roots in a church and allow yourself to be seen and accountable to your brothers and sisters, you will never receive the benefits that come with community. Uh, there are a bunch of Christians out there whose spirituality is a mile wide, but an inch deep, okay? Because they've never planted themselves anywhere. And so they've been saved a long time. They may have been going to church for a long time, but they have no depth 
to them because they've never committed themselves anywhere. They've never rooted, they've never allowed roots to go down deep because they've never allowed themselves to be planted. They've been saved forever, but their spiritual maturity is still at a toddler level. They're still struggling with the same thing they struggled with 10 years ago because they are just not planted and they're not allowing themselves to grow spiritually. The fruit of the Spirit isn't being developed in their lives. Their understanding of Scripture is still at an elementary level. Everything when it comes to church is still about themselves. These people got saved a long time ago, but if push comes to shove, they still can't be counted on. They're still not dependable. They don't have hardly any meaningful relationships, and they don't have anyone in their life that can bring correction to them because they're not accountable to anybody. If this is you, Okay, I have a word from you. Uh, I have a word for you, and it's and it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11, and it says this. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Do you know what the biggest difference between a child and an adult is? It's a simple 10-letter word that most American Christians are scared to death of. It's commitment. Commitment. Commitment in some of y'all's vocabulary is worse than a cuss word, okay? Uh, Children have a very difficult time sticking with anything, okay? And I have two little ones, and so I can testify to this. Um, You know, Boston, he, my son, he... Uh, he does a chess class, and my daughter, she does ballet class, and both of them this year have come to their mom and dad, and they said, I want to quit. Boston said, I want to quit chess because it's boring now. And Avia's best friend quit ballet class recently, so she doesn't want to do ballet anymore. Okay? Guess what mom and dad say when they come to us and say, I want to quit this? Nope, you ain't doing it. Okay? Uh, And it's not because I want them to be miserable. It's because I want them to know I am teaching them how to commit to something and stick with it, even when they don't want to do it. I'm trying to teach them and instill this value of commitment. You know how many hobbies Boston's had in his eight short years on this earth? I made a list of his hobbies. He's been alive for eight years. Uh, Legos. Pokemon Go, okay? Pokemon card collecting, sports card collecting, state quarter collecting, marbles, drawing, sports, chess. He'll like something for a while, then get bored with it and move on to something else. And before you think I'm a horrible dad, I'm all about allowing my kids to try a lot of different things to figure out what they're good at, what they're talented at, what they like. But I want there to be some things in their lives that whether they want to do it or not, they're going to stick it out. And they're going to commit to something and they're going to see it through. And hopefully, if I can teach them this lesson now, they'll stay in college and graduate when, they're, when all their little friends uh, have dropped out because they're trying to find themselves, right? <laughs> uh, hopefully, when they, <laughs> if I can instill commitment in them now, when they're married uh, and they're going through a season of difficulty, my kids won't bail, yeah. right? 
I mean, but I want to teach them these values. I want to instill in them uh, commitment now at this age, right? Sadly, some adults never get this, and because of that, they stay immature. Some adults never plant themselves in a church and wonder why they have zero spiritual fruit in their lives. Some people never plant themselves at a job and wonder why they never move up the ladder of promotion. I'm not saying this to brag, okay? I'm not. But anywhere I have ever been involved in ministry, whether that's in South Texas, San Antonio, or the Dallas area, or here in New York City, I can point to people who I have mentored and discipled. I can point to people where I have impacted their life, their spiritual life. And it's not because I'm, a, I'm super spiritual or a great mentor, but it's because I've established myself and I've gone all in on relationships. And because of that, there's been some lasting fruit in my life. John 12, 24 says, this, this is Jesus talking. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Do you hear that? Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat. All because one grain dies. Obviously, the single grain of wheat that Jesus mentions here is him, uh, is him talking about himself dying in order to bring life to him, humanity. But this principle can be applied to his disciples as well. Because for some of you, the best thing you can do for yourself is to die. Yeah, your pastor just told you to die. Uh, for some of you, th that's the best thing that you can do for yourself and for those around you is to die. Some of you just won't die. And because of that, the harvest God has for you is going unknown. The, and before you think pastor is telling you to commit suicide, here's what I'm actually talking about. Okay, You are refusing to die to your fleshly desires. You are refusing to die to unhealthy emotions that you are allowing to rule you. Feelings are fine and they're good and they're dandy and God gave us feelings, but he did not give us feelings to rule us. Okay? We are to die to unhealthy, toxic feelings that hold us back from Jesus. Amen? We are refusing to die to selfishness. We are refusing to die to self-destructing habits of self-sabotage. Some of you guys just can't help but to self-sabotage yourselves, right? It's like you just don't like, you don't like the good life because every time you start walking in the good life, you sabotage yourself and you cut yourself off at the knees because of your choices and decisions. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me give you a little illustration. I was hoping for something uh, a little bit bigger, a bigger pot, but this is all we could, we could find here. But I want to illustrate something. When... When, when we go to a church or when we're involved in a relationship or when we sit under a pastor, what starts to happen is seed starts to get planted in our heart, okay? And Jesus said that in order for the seed to bring forth life, it needs to be planted and it needs to die. And until that seed dies, it cannot bring forth life. And so when someone goes from church to church to church, okay, or when someone comes to church but never fully commits, what they're doing is that seed that's inside of them, they dig it up. They dig it up and they take that seed and they take it with them to the next church, the next pastor, the next relationship, the next job, whatever. And, I, you know, uh, and, and, and that seed gets planted in again 
And then when they decide not to commit, they dig that seed back up. They dig that seed back up. And that seed, when we do that over and over and over, that seed never has the opportunity to be planted. That seed never has the opportunity to die. And because of that, that seed never has the opportunity to sprout and bring forth life. Okay, some of us keep digging out the seed in us and we wonder why there's we we don't have fruit. We wonder why there's not life. We wonder why we're not receiving the benefits of what we're trying to to accomplish. And it's because we keep digging out the seed before it has an opportunity to uh, uh, grow and before we have the opportunity to receive a harvest of that. So we need to stop digging up the seed. Church, you need to hear this today. If you don't die, you won't ever multiply. If you don't die, you won't ever multiply. Let's read this passage again. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies, because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat. All because one grain died. The reason people are scared to establish themselves in a together community is because they mistake being planted for being buried. The tricky thing that is uh, about this is that being planted and being buried sometimes feels the exact same way. When you're planted, it's dark. When you're planted... You feel alone. You feel unseen. You feel unnoticed. Right? When you're planted and when you're buried, both you, you, you're going to have similar emotions, right? You, you might feel lonely. You might feel fear. Uh, you might feel unseen and unnoticed. But there is a huge, huge difference between being planted and being buried. Because being planted... Uh, when you or the difference between being planted and being buried is when you're buried, you are decomposing. When you're planted, that death becomes life. It produces life. It produces fruit. It produces something beautiful and great and life-giving. When you're planted, uh, you, you're not you're not dying. You're actually multiplying. And I believe someone needed to hear that today. Jesus said, "Unless the seed is planted and dies." It can't sprout up and produce a harvest. In other words, if you don't die, you won't multiply. The reason some of you are struggling so bad with establishing yourself is because you don't want to die to yourself. It's a hard truth, but it's something you need to hear. Because in order to establish yourself anywhere, it takes getting over yourself. And some of y'all are having a hard time with that. You think too highly of your feelings. You think too highly of your desires and wants. And it's keeping you from dying. And because you're, you're not dying, God is not able to multiply His efforts in you and through you. He said in His Word, it's through our weakness that He is made strong in our lives. Don't mistaken being planted with being buried. You thought the enemy buried you, but it's God planting you. 
You've had bad break after bad break and the devil has convinced you that you're done for. But God is planting you and something beautiful is going to emerge from the dirt you're in right now. So I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. Do not give up. Don't dig up the seed that's in there because even though it's lonely, even though it's dark, even though you feel unnoticed and unseen, something beautiful is growing. Something beautiful is about to sprout. You are about, your efforts are about to be multiplied and you are going to grow into something beautiful. So do not give up. There's something very, very special developing on the inside of you. Amen? And then lastly, for the letter R, we're using the word reform. I believe that this series has been a prophetic sermon series where God is revealing to us how He wants our church to move forward. And I believe that this last point is a prophetic word for our church concerning what God is doing in our midst right now. God is doing something right now in our church. He is doing something that is going to completely, um, it's going to completely change the trajectory of our church. It's going to completely transform who we are, how we operate, and how we function. Uh, To reform something means to reform something or reshape something that has already taken shape. That's what the word reform means. God wants to reform and reshape the culture of our church this year. Okay? We, we, we have a shape that has taken, uh, that, that has become formed, and, and we have uh, a way that we function and operate in a way that we do things, but this year God wants to take what we have already, Okay, and he wants to reform it and reshape it into something different, into something better, into something greater. Amen. And here's the verse God gave me. And he said, Steve, this is what I'm doing in your church right now. And it's found in uh, Jeremiah 18, 4. And it says this. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Our church is almost two and a half years old. We are still very young, and up to this point, Priscilla and I have done our best to be faithful to what God has asked us to do. Uh, We've tried to be obedient in everything God has spoken to us, and we've tried to follow His lead when it comes to uh, this church and how He wants us to operate in this church and what He wants us to do. It was because of obedience that we launched the church back in 2016, even though I had just started chemotherapy and I was very sick and all those things, but we, we felt like God wanted us to continue on with the launch of the church. And so in obedience... Um, looking back, I don't know if it was in wisdom, but it was in definitely in obedience. I guess if, if, if we're being obedient to God, it is the wise thing to do. Amen. Uh, so uh, it was because of obedience that we continued uh, and we launched our church, even though I was very sick. And it was because of obedience that we left the Upper West Side back in June and moved up here to Hamilton Heights to our current location. But I think God this year wants to reform us into something better. 
But it's only going to happen if we will plant ourselves and establish in our hearts that living in community is better than trying to do life alone. Struggling with someone else is better than struggling alone. And succeeding by yourself is not as good as succeeding with someone else where they can cheer you on and they can be happy for you, right? I believe with all of my heart that the potter is reshaping and reforming our church to become something better and to become something more impactful. Here's the key to this whole entire thing, though. The potter reshaped the clay into something that seemed good to him. Right? He didn't reshape and reform the clay into something that the clay wanted. It was what the potter wanted. The clay really had no say-so in it. What the potter wanted to reshape it to, the clay obviously was all in because he had no choice, right? And so that's the key to this entire thing that, that, that we allow God, our potter, to reshape our community, our church, into what he wants to shape it into, into what he wants to form it into, into what he wants to create in this church. Now, let me ask you this. Will you allow the potter of your life to reshape and reform you into what seems good to him? Will you stop trying to mold a God into your image and allow God to mold you into his? Okay? I'm sorry, but uh, most Christians in America, we have created a God in our image. Because, any, uh, because in the Bible, the, God is loving and He's forgiving and He's good, but there are also some parts in the Bible where it's offensive, where I don't totally understand. And, 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 and we have created a God in um, the American church that we try to make as palatable as possible. There's some things in the Bible where like, man, God, I don't, I don't agree with this, but it's in it. Yeah. And I trust God. Yeah. Okay? I'm just being real. I'm just having real talk with you. Instead of trying to make God into my image... We need to allow Him to shape and form us into what seems good to Him. Because ultimately, what's good to Him is better than anything that I could come up with. Amen? I believe God wants us to become a more transparent community. I believe God wants us to become a more vulnerable community. I believe that God wants us to become a more authentic community. I believe that God wants us to become a more relational community. I believe God wants more table ministry, eating meals with one another, fellowshipping with one another, opening up to one another, communicating our scars and our struggles and and opening up to people and allowing them to minister to us and pray for us and and, and when, when we're offended with someone or when we don't like what somebody did, instead of talking to other people about it, that we go directly to them and we say, hey, this is how you made me feel, and I'm just, I'm just going to be real with you. Yep. Creating that kind of community and culture in our church, that's what I believe God wants for us. That's what I believe God is shaping and forming us into this year. And if I could have the worship team come up. And can I have my wife come forward? Amor, you come up. What does that mean, heart? 
Love, my love. <laughs> I believe that um, what God is doing, this movement of coming together, of living in community, of, of being seen with one another and being accountable with one another and being transparent and vulnerable with one another, um, I believe that this must start with the top. Okay, um, I believe that Priscilla and I have to model this community. And so we've made, we've made some changes in our home this year already. I mentioned them last week, and um, it's more me making the changes and her fighting me about it. But one of the changes that we've made is at the dinner table. Uh, we, we usually watch TV at the dinner table and we don't really talk. If we talk, it's about what's going on on the TV. And so one of the things we've decided to do this year is that when we sit down to eat together as a family, we're going to turn off the TV. We're going to put away the phones. We're going to put away the iPods, iPads, all of those things. And we're just going to communicate together as a family. Because I think it's important. And I think if we don't do this as families inside the home. Right. How do we expect it to happen in our church? Come on. So that's something we've done. And we, we, we're, we're doing some other things as well. We're, we're committed because we, are, we view our home as a castle, right? We, we have public jobs. Our job is very public. And so our homes we, we view as a sanctuary, as, as, as getting away from from people, and, and that's just our place where we can be real. But this year we've committed. We're still going to use it for that, and I think it's important to have boundaries, but we are going to open up our table yeah. as much as we possibly yeah. can because I think it's so important, and I think that's the direction God wants for us and has for us. So I just want you to know that Priscilla and I are committed to you. Yep. We're committed to... Our relationship with you yeah. we're committed to walking with you through your struggle yeah. we're committed to walking with you through your successes we're committed to walking through the mountaintops and through the valleys with you you can count on us yeah. okay and what I ask of you is that you make a commitment as well to the vision of this house okay to the vision of, of creating this together community, of creating this transparent, open community where you decide, I'm going to build relationships with people in my church. I, I don't have to be asked or forced or anything, but I am going to go out of my way to connect with other people in the church because I'll be the first to admit, okay, I don't have all the answers for you. I can open up the Word of God to you. I can give you some advice. But there are people in this church that can minister to you on a deeper level with yeah. certain things that you're going through than, than me or Priscilla yeah. can. We'll do our best, but it, it's going to happen through you building relationships with one another in this congregation. So I just want you to know that Priscilla and I are committed to you. And we have a saying around here that we are the kindest church in New York City. The truth is, is that that won't come to fruition until we establish in our hearts that we are going to be that to each other. Yeah. 
I want this saying to be more than a saying. I want it to be a part of the DNA and culture of our church. Amen. Amen. So my wife and I, my Amor and I, we are committed to you. And I want to challenge you and encourage you to be committed to this house. Thank you.